There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nathan Stadium for the first time this Saturday, can you give a little bit of chicken skin? <laughs> a chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Spring time. Almost in the air time. A day where it didn't rain time. Pro Day time, March time, March Madness time, we'll go with that time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, and Wrigley Rucker coming to you live from the Fort Rucker sunroom today. Hopefully, guys, this is the last week, seriously, that we'll be here because everything except for the finishing uh, like the the trim on some of the painting, some of the trim, putting in the new ceiling fans. The floors are already all done, so we are almost back to operation mode here at the house. So we can not have to sit here and record in our dining room slash sunroom, as Ramey calls it, whatever the weather is at that time room. He calls it either the moon room at night, overcast room, rainy room, whatever room it is. But here we are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Drop it to you probably on a Friday morning, maybe a Thursday evening, more than likely a Friday morning. We just got done watching Tennessee's seniors and at least one junior who left too soon go through some pro day stuff there. What do they call it? Pro timing day? Pro timing day. Yeah. Pro timing day. I think the jargon is pro day, but a lot of places, including Tennessee, call it pro timing day technically. So there were a bunch of Tennessee players there warming up, uh, going through some paces, doing some things. And... I thought uh, a couple of the guys really helped themselves uh, in, in that pro day, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We're also going to get to some some discussion on Tennessee spring to this point. Uh, talk a little bit about I, I sat down earlier this week uh, with around lunchtime on Tuesday, and Jeremy Pruitt with his office in his office there, uh, and talking a little Tennessee football, talking about the past year a little bit, even though he's always weird about that he wants to move forward but we talked a little bit about last year lessons learned and we've been running those stories on go boss 24 7 and we'll probably when we're done with that probably release a podcast where we just release that conversation in full i got to clean up the audio there he doesn't really stand close enough to the microphone and as everyone knows if you've ever seen jeremy Pruitt press conference he is a very very quiet talker when he's not out there on the field yelling he barely barely gets above like a loud whisper when he's speaking. Mm-hmm. He saves his voice for out there on the field. So uh, some of the audio quality there will, will have to be cleaned up. But uh, in general, uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff about that conversation. Uh, I think he talked about getting to know his guys better, uh, talked about sort of the, the process, even though he knows 
not to call that, not to use that word all the time because people around Tennessee don't really love it, but uh, talked a little bit about the process, talked about sort of him and, and his family adjusting to life in Knoxville uh, and the way he handles stress in his job, which I think might be the most interesting part of the conversation. And we'll have that for you a little bit later in the week. Also have some discussion on Tennessee's uh, first couple weeks of spring practice, spring camp, as it were. Uh, Tennessee's about to put on full pads for the first time they've been in had a couple days in have shorts. They, have they not been in full pads? Feels like they've been in full pads. I think they were in shells still because they still had those guardian helmets on for some stuff. No, and I think they were in full pads. Were they? I thought they were in shells. I thought, they had, I thought you had to be in shells for two days. I thought it was two days shorts, two days shells, and I, then you're in full that's pads. That's in the summer. I don't know about spring. I think it's the same. Practices. I thought the act. It seems like they've had uh, pads in their football pants the past two practices. Well, those are shells, technically. I think you're looking too much at their football pants. Basically, what are you trying to say, Ryan? Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Tennessee no, has anything wrong with that. I, I've been on the assumption they've been in full pads. If Tennessee has been in full pads, or if Tennessee has been in shells, uh, the bottom line is there's been a but little sh- bit more shell, contact. Shells is shoulder pads, helmets, and shorts. Yeah, where they have like smaller, like spider, like, they're like yeah. spider pads or something. They're 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 a smaller shoulder pad. I think y'all are wrong. But. Hey, you know what? Regardless, <laughs> we can say this: Tennessee practiced in shorts for a couple days, and now they've been putting on yeah. some sort of pads. And we will discuss that. It seems like the offense is off to a good start. We'll talk about all that. Jeremy Pruitt did say a full padded practice ah, when he go. referenced that, but that was in reference to what Monday, right? That was in reference to me being right the, to the third practice, which was the first in pads at all. So Look, I'm still riding the high from Liverpool's Champions League win, so I don't really care what y'all say. We did watch that in the uh, we watched that in the Tennessee media room the other day. Uh, what a fantastic three one win! Actually, technically Liverpool did score all four goals in that game. That's one true. one was an own goal. <laughs> Uh, but 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 importantly, three goals to one. And today, uh, we're thankfully recording this before Arsenal plays its Europa League game against uh, Rennes there in France. And uh, if that doesn't go well, Do I'll they be have in to a play Stimpy if they win this one. Yeah, they should. I'll be in a but really it's... really nasty mood if they don't win that game. So we're recording this before that to head that off at the pass. Uh, even though they did have a glorious glorious two nothing victory over Manchester United over the over the weekend. If you guys want to book me for some comedy events, my number is. Eight six five two two eight. Just kidding. <laughs> you just got the first few numbers to my cell phone. You'll never get the final four. Yeah. I'll tell you where I live. I'm, I'll tell you right here. I'm sitting here in Old North Knoxville. Used to live uh, in Fourth and Gill. Now I'm in Old North Knoxville. You come and find me. Uh, I am. I'm not hiding. But uh, the the phone number. I don't want that being called late at night when when my wife's trying to sleep. That would be. That That's why I didn't give out the full idea. number. Wes, well, you're just inviting stalkers, and, and you probably have some, don't you? Uh, I wouldn't say stalkers. There have been some some people who edge toward that line but not like yeah not like an actual problem or anything just you know usually younger kids who are journalists who want to have a career in this and and stuff like that but uh it's better than what pat does which is uh basically patrick middle name redacted brown address somewhere in east tennessee (laughs) occupation yes uh (laughs) uh wife possibly name never Job never vacation. You'll find out after I get back. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell you where I'll go on a vacation after I get back. Even race all pictures of Ron. Even it's too like it, it's this <laughs> random place in the middle of Utah. Like people are not going to come find you there, but that's okay. Everyone has their own way that they go about things, and you know Zion uh, isn't a random place in Utah. It's a very popular place for people to go. Were you just were you just dying for Zion? It was really cool. I was it, was that your way of trying to trying to get the Grizz the number one pick so they can get Zion? Is that what that was? No, they're not going to get him. Um, they could win the lottery. They're going to be in no, there. No, no, no. They'll give it to the Knicks, the Lakers. LeBron will make it happen. 
frozen envelope uh, yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with, yeah. with with Patrick Ewing and all, all that. Of it, yeah. But uh, speaking of uh, sports, uh, Tennessee has been going through a lot of that recently. This is the crazy time of year where I get my head spinning because, you know, baseball's going on. Tennessee's ranked 21st in the country there, 17-1 and going into SEC play. Uh, is getting some really good play from uh, Alaric Solari, who's a guy who's got five home runs in the past five games, a junior college transfer. He's doing really well for them, the pitching staff. The ERA is one of the best in the country. So that's going on. Obviously, basketball is going on right now. Ramey, uh, Grant Ramey, our worthless co-worker, is in Nashville uh, covering Tennessee's practice uh, for today. When uh, we finally to do a SEC tournament, and then, and then he's coming back. This is the funny thing. He's coming back here, yeah. and then he and I are going together to Nashville tomorrow uh, from Friday to question mark, depending on how well Tennessee does in the tournament, and then we'll figure out be booking flight Sunday night for or forever wherever we're going to cover that thing. Hopefully, a drive the first weekend, maybe Columbus, Jacksonville, Jacksonville, maybe something like that, and, and then we'll we'll see where they go from there. If they win the thing, they still could get a number one seed. They're on the outside looking in for that, but if they go yeah. win that tournament, uh, get a couple more big quadrant one wins. I mean, they they'd have a chance depending on what happens elsewhere. So, right. but that's going on and then spring football's going on. So there's just, you know, I know that, that, that y'all, you know, Pat does football, Ryan, you do football and, and recruiting. And, you know, I just kind of bounce around and do a little bit of all that stuff. And when all the sports converge, my head just becomes, my brain's like jello right now, but uh, yeah. your brain's even, like even, jello most of the time. That's though, true. Ha- half of it, half of it, especially around the the medulla, is one hundred percent medulla uh, oblongata. It's one hundred percent gel uh, I, around some of there. I was just gonna say when we finally have a four man podcast again, it's really gonna be weird. It's been a while. Yeah, because we're all all over the place right yeah. now. The summer we'll have more of the four man podcast, but this is kind of a four man podcast because Wrigley's sitting here on the table. Yeah. He's, he's behaving so far. You he's, had to introduce him just just in case. Just in case he, he starts, makes an appearance. In case I keep if you keep saying his name, he's going to start barking. So we won't yeah. say his name. So don't say the name of the Cubs Stadium. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he's he's behaving so far. The little guy. But right now uh, we will spend most of that time on football. We'll talk about spring practice here in a little bit. We'll talk about some of that other stuff. But we will start with pro day, uh, which just just ended there on Thursday morning. Uh, Pat and I were there. It, it was not the most heavily attended. Pro day that Tennessee's ever had. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. The Vols might not have a draft pick uh, in this class. Could have one or two guys sneak in there, perhaps. But right now, seems to be on the outside looking in. And Tennessee's pro day started at the exact de- exact day, exact time as Clemson's, about three hours from here. So I wonder where more GMs were today. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but but Pat, what did you think? I, I thought a couple guys, in particular Kyle Phillips, probably helped himself a good bit today. Yeah, I was told there were about 30 scouts there. Uh, that seemed about right. I would. I don't think any, every team was there. I would say maybe two dozen, maybe two dozen teams were there. So, um, so still most of the NFL. And so there were only there were only 15 guys going through the whole thing, and that includes uh, three guys from smaller schools in the state that were. Yeah, UTC, Tuscombe, um, stuff like that. Uh, UTC had one guy. Austin P had a guy. Uh, Daryl Rollins Davis, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, actually played at Fulton here. Was a really good player here. Yep. And then there was a linebacker from Carson Newman, too. So they didn't have many guys. Um, and, and Tennessee said, hey, it's going to start at 9. They'll, still, they'll do on-field stuff at 10. And then do, like, position drills will be at, like, 11. This thing was over by 11. So it was it moved very fast. Yeah, I got that text a little late, um, so I was hustling to get over there to, to try to get some so stuff we, done. We didn't get a whole lot of results, but uh, I think Kyle Phillips ran in the mid-4-6s on his 40. Uh, interesting about Phillips really good. Is, at, two, at 280 pounds yeah. that ain't bad um, and he actually he didn't get an invite to the combine but he did go to uh, they had a regional combine I guess uh, he said it was at the Chiefs facility last weekend and he said he went there and did pretty well 
Uh, and he, he's played in the East West Shrine game too. So he's, he's been exposed. He's, you know, he's gotten himself, himself out there to uh, NFL personnel. So that's why I think it's reasonable to think he's their best chance of having somebody drafted. I think that's I, fair. And it would be a good story for him. He's a guy that, you know, had some shoulder injuries early in his career. Um, and maybe didn't live up to his billing as a five-star, but played his best ball as a senior. And uh, for him, it, he obviously would love to hear his name called uh, with the draft being in, in Nashville. Nashville yeah. so. and, a, and a kid who every every coach he's ever played for will vouch for him because they love the kid as a person. He's mm-hmm. an outstanding person. He's a hard worker. He's everywhere he needs to be on time. He's a really good representative in whatever community he would live in if he got the opportunity to play at that level. Well, uh, and he's just he's a nice kid. He was raised the right way, and, and he's – if there, if that stuff is ever a tiebreaker, uh, that that goes in his favor. Well, he he also bounced around early in his career, which I think a lot of people almost forget now because there's been so much that's happened the past four years. But the fact that he started off his career essentially, you know, Tennessee was trying to force him inside to defensive tackle because they recruited some bigger defensive ends that they thought would grow into defensive tackles. He had a frame that a lot of people thought would make him a good three technique in, in a four man front like they had. So they sort of forced him in there uh, ahead of time. He. He made himself a five star as an edge rusher, as a defensive end at the yeah. at the Army uh, All American Bowl, and didn't get the chance to just pin his ears back and rush the passer the first two or three years at Tennessee. So, that considering the different roles he played and the injuries, uh, yeah, it'd, it'd be a pretty pretty impressive story if he's able to get drafted. And I think he got at least a, an outside shot. Yeah, and and I think Shy Total ran under ran sub five for his forty, which yeah. Probably answer um, some questions about his his legs. Four nine four, I think twenty one reps is what his agent tweeted out. Um, and Kyle Phillips only got seventeen, which he probably would like to see a little bit more. But he's got long arms. Yeah. So uh, I thought I thought Mike Abernathy looked looked pretty good just moving around, and I mm-hmm. I think he ran around four or five, maybe a little bit under, which a lot of Tennessee wow. fans will probably think there's no way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this guy's probably the healthiest he's been in. Who knows how long? Yeah. I mean, the, the, you see that with a lot of these guys is that the wear and tear of a season, and now they have this chance to go through the process where they have, they're still doing stuff. You know, they're still training and doing all those things, but just the wear and tear of, uh, of a season that that it takes on you is, um, it, it makes guys play slower. And, and you look at Abernathy, um, there were what two seasons where he missed games because injuries. Yeah, and I don't played I don't, hurt I don't a lot. Think he was his un- shoulders were messed yeah. up. His his ankle, his his knee, his foot. He had a lot of I stuff. I he dealt with. I don't with. think there was. Um, I don't think he was one hundred percent in twenty seventeen either when he actually did play and start every game. Uh, he also said he jumped uh, thirty eight five vertical. Which I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, for safety, you'll take that. Yeah, uh, he said he got forty point five. Um, but that it was a scratch. I don't know. I, they didn't count it because it was. I don't know if it was illegal or if there was a. If he stepped over the line or something like that, or the equivalent of that. But he used a mini trampoline. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, um, yeah, one of those guys that you know. I, I think it would have been interesting to see what what all these guys forty times would have been, but uh, you know we don't get that information. So. Um, yeah, and anything anything we get is talking to a scout with what they use with their hand. We we yeah. don't we, you know they might no be like hey times. four five yeah the late the, those other stuff like they'll release those later uh, to NFL teams if they want them. But it's hard for us to to get that information. Um, but I, I thought you know from from what I saw, um, I thought Kyle Phillips looked good. I did think that that Abernathy moved around pretty well in position drills, showed good hands. Uh, which isn't a deal breaker at that position, but certainly helps. Something in the future, Nigel Warrior certainly needs to work on. Uh, so you, you saw some other <coughs> stuff there, and I thought we we didn't get to talk to Cortez Sapp, by the way. We should point that out. Yeah, a lot of people 
wondering why he went pro. We don't know because we haven't talked to him. I don't think he's done any sort of interviews or anything either. So There have been overtures made toward him, and he has not to this point wanted to speak about it. Maybe this is just a so chapter his in his life he's ready to move on from, and, hey, that's that's his call. We're going to keep trying to get a hold of him. Uh, other people are too. We'll see if somebody finally gets him uh, because it was a fascinating decision that – Maybe you would have thought going the grad transfer route would have been better for him mm-hmm. going somewhere where they play a 4-3. He can play on the outside, more of his natural position. You know, Maybe that would have been a better move for him. But, hey, that's his life, his call. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, one guy who I thought my favorite interview from the day by far, by far, was Jonathan Kongbo. Uh, he was incredibly he, – he was very talkative and in a good way. Because he was very, very candid about the fact that his Tennessee career did not go the way he wanted it to go. Um, He said there may have been reasons for that, some that were his fault, some that weren't. But the bottom line is, you know, when he got that ACL and MCL tear, and he confirmed it was an ACL and an MCL that tore in that Auburn game, that they thought at first it was just a sprain. But then when they did the test, they found out it wasn't. And, you know, people started asking him, what are you going to do with your life now? You know, what's the next step for you? And he just kind of said, I'm a football player. I'm going to rehab, I'm going to come back from this, and I'm going to play in the NFL. Uh, and he said that if he needed to, he maybe he, he wouldn't mind going the CFL route. He's Canadian, so yeah. that might be an interesting move for him. Um, but he was very, very candid about a lot of things, and he said that that he wishes in hindsight that he could have spent four years playing for a guy like Jeremy Pruitt because he became a, a Pruitt convert very, very quickly and said something that I thought was really interesting. And he didn't really go into much detail about this, but he said that that when the previous staff was at Tennessee, there would be times like on the weekend where the guys would be hungry, like literally hungry. And that when Pruitt got there and the new staff turnover and all that, he said that they made sure they took care of him on the weekends and they were able to eat better, which helped them maintain weight and work out more, which is not something I had ever heard anybody discuss before. No. But that was... Bizarro. If that... You know, depending on what exactly he meant by that, and we tried to get some confirmation, and he didn't really want to want to go there, but that would be a stinging indictment of the way things were before, if that is indeed the case. But the bottom line is he said that, that Pruitt is a guy who, he said, people may not have seen it last year, but I'm telling you, this guy gets it. This guy lives ball. He's going to recruit. He's going to do whatever it takes. He's going to win. He's going to win here. I know he is. And thought that was interesting. Because he's a guy who, you know, could have been bitter about his Tennessee experience if he wanted to, but he wasn't. He said he loved it. He said he was really happy to be back in town. He's been working out in Phoenix, but he came back for the for pro day, and, and said that that he loved his time at Tennessee despite getting some criticism and people on Twitter blaming him when they lost games, saying you're not the five star you should have been, and all this other stuff that that people you know will do in the throes of of passion after a game on Twitter, and. He, he said that he would not – right now he's around the 253 range. But he said, if they want me to be a 250-pound outside linebacker, I'll do that. If they want me to be a 280, 290-pound defensive tackle, I'll do that. He said, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll play wherever they want me to play. I just want to play ball. And the, perhaps other than the food thing, the most interesting thing he said to me, and I asked him point blank, you said you'll play anywhere. What's your favorite position? And you could have knocked me over with a feather – because he said defensive tackle was his favorite position. And if y'all know anything about Kongbo in the past few years, you will know that he fought tooth and nail over that move inside. He did not want to do it. He really did not want to be a defensive tackle. For him to come out later and say defensive tackle is his favorite position, I mean, am I the only one who's 
shocked by that. I just that's not the answer I expected. There might be was, some revisionist history there. Might be because he said he liked using his quickness in there, and he thought that was his best chance at the next level. So I, but then you ask him why are you two fifties now, and he said, "Well, I'm working on that. You know, there's not a lot I can do." Uh, he could do the bench press. That was the only thing he did during the workout because he's still. He said he's probably ninety percent. Yeah, closer to running, running so. you know, so he's still got some weight distribution issues from side to side, leaning too hard on one side. So his agent said, don't work out yet. Um, but he did do the bench press, and he did some things. So, And there's Prince Michael trying to get his weekly addition to the Sunroom yeah. podcast. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's – I thought it was a really interesting conversation with, with him. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of Tennessee fans are probably – hung up on do they have a got draft or not for for these guys individually though i mean there's countless examples of guys that don't get drafted that go on to just make good money yeah i mean i'm, I'm getting there ryan sorry <laughs> don't ruin it wah, wah, wah. Um, you know th- there's plenty of guys that that you know don't get drafted that go on and, and have a good nfl career and, and make a lot of money and Justin coleman as you mentioned is one of those guys he's now going to be the highest paid uh slot corner in the league which is impressive for a guy that so you're saying slot corner, not nickel now? Do you, are you trying to sound smart? Well, that's what they call it. It's a nickel. Potato, potato. It's either way. Um, and, and he's a guy that at Tennessee, I mean, he was a decent player, but he was never like a star. Oh. I mean, he, he never you, – you didn't watch him play at Tennessee and go, he's going to be make a lot of money in the NFL and win a Super Bowl. You never thought that. So the thing people always um, forget, especially it, it, if these guys, they just, you know, just want a chance. And that's yeah. all it takes. That's all it takes Keller is, Chris is a too. chance. And, and I think he'll get a shot because he's a coach's son. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Chai Tuttle will get a look, too, because people will say, hey, he was a big-time recruit. He's a big body. He can move well. And when he was a freshman, looked like he yeah. was going to be an absolute yeah, we'll, star. We'll see if that works. Uh, Abernathy will probably get something because, you know. Still uh, looks like – still built like a Greek god. Yeah. So. You, you mentioned Abernathy and, like, his 40 time. And I, I think 40 times can get overrated. The, long, the longer I do this, the less I care about 40 times because I see in recruiting that – they seldom matter because you can, especially in college, you get better. You train, you get stronger, you get faster. Yeah, like Rashawn Galden's 40 time was never an indicator yeah. of how fast he played. And the, as I say, and football speed is different from 40 speed. But regardless, hearing that, you know, I think you forget, especially with defense sometimes and maybe even offensive linemen, you know, certain positions are more, are more like this than others. But you can sort of, and Justin Coleman, you know, it's kind of what brought this to mind. Playing in a defense that isn't very good can make a player look like he's also not very good. And you never know how much he's trying to make up for teammates yeah. around them not doing the right thing or not being that talented or whatever the case might be. So sometimes you can be surprised by these guys succeeding at the next level, and maybe we'll, maybe there will be someone else from this class who, who emerges like a, like a Justin Coleman to have that kind of success. I think it's possible, and we'll continue to discuss all that moving forward because, you know, the – you know, I know that people get attached to these guys a little bit when they're Tennessee players and they want the best for them. And, you know, so so we'll, we'll continue to provide some updates on that. We'll see as they go through the process. But as for the current team right now, uh, they are what? Is it four practices into into spring? Foe. Foe, one, two, three, foe. Touch that thing, foe. Yeah, it, it's uh, – I think to this point what's interesting, and we haven't talked to Pruitt. I think Pruitt's going to speak uh, on Friday afternoon. He was going to speak Thursday, but then they pushed it back a day. He had some meetings and things he had to get to after Pro Day. But I think the most interesting storyline for me for the first three practices, normally when you go into spring camp or when you go into preseason camp, when you start your first few days, normally the defense is ahead of the offense. Normally. If all things are equal, normally the defense 
you know, because offense is so, so based on timing and rhythm, and where defense you can just line up and keep a guy in front of you. So the defense often looks better early on. And, and with Tennessee having a new coordinator, a new system, because you could say all day long there's a new coordinator on defense, but it's the same defense. It's the same defense, more or less. Uh, and Ansley's going to come in and run the defense the way Pruitt wants it run. They're on the same page. So there's probably a few more moves there on offense. And, and with all those questions on the offensive line, we're interested to see how things would go early on. And right now, apparently, the offense, we'll see about practice four, but in the first three practices, the offense was pretty consistently getting the better end of the defense. And that, to me, I don't know if it's optimistic or pessimistic, but it's it's a surprise for sure. To me, it, to me, it is anyway. It, surprise. I mean, there, there are some signs that maybe we should – should have seen that the offense, at least to start spring practice, could get off to a better start, not the least of which is they're returning nearly everybody. Um, the defense loses a lot of key players. The offense uh, bringing back you know, most of the starters. So th- this, is a, this is an experienced offense. Um, whether, whether you think that it's a very good offense or not, obviously they've got some things to prove still, but you know, having that much continuity. Like the good news is they're all back. The bad news is they're all back. Yeah, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not quite one of those situations, but certainly a quarterback and receiver especially. I think you at least feel good that there's talent there, that they've made plays in the past. The you know, train th- making its weekly appearance. Yeah. Uh, that the you know, the offensive line, obviously you've got some things to work out there, but there's enough pieces back that, you know, even with a new scheme that they're clearly installing on offense, you you have enough continuity there that you feel pretty good about things, and that's probably where that has come from. And also I think you do it when you hear things like that, you've got to keep in mind that Jeremy Pruitt's a defensive guy. He ripped his defense a lot last spring he's hard on those yeah guys. and you're going to evaluate them more harshly so when the defense has a bad day i think you're going to hear about it a lot when the offense has a bad day he might say uh eh, we had some turnovers and stuff but it's probably not gonna be as big of a deal to him maybe uh, depending on what they do wrong you know it might not be as big of a deal as when the defense clearly clearly looks soft or doesn't tackle well or whatever's bothering him i think the it's always you never want to take too much from three practices or one practice, especially in the spring. I mean, we're – what? Uh, how many months are we out from the season? Five? Something yeah, like five that. and a half. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And so you never want to get too high or too low by self-reports of one practice. But I, I do think two takeaways for me from what he said on, on Monday, and Wednesday could have been a totally different story, but uh, it seems like this offense has a much better direction now with Jim Chaney uh, calling mm-hmm. the shots and running the show. And and he's and Prude has been open about – Everyone in that his, building has confidence yeah, in and him. has confidence in, in, in Chaney taking the reins and, and kind of having that operation move forward. Um, and, and we've heard a lot of things from talking to some players too about how, how Chaney keeps things simple, keeps things light. He's always um, had that reputation. Yeah, yeah. and so that that's a situation where um, I think Tennessee's offense last um, – Last season, you know, they had you know they had some personnel issues on on uh, on the offensive line. I think they're still missing a little bit of. Uh, uh, they need one more dynamic playmaker at receiver. They need a guy that they can throw a five yard route to, and he makes two guys miss. Takes the hell. They don't have that, um, but they just lacked a direction. They didn't. They didn't seem to have any sort of identity. There was no rhythm, and kind of what they were doing. There was no like method to the madness. And um, the early indications are with Cheney that that'll be different. And so if you're, if you're trying to take something away from it, you should be bullish maybe on this offense. And uh, the flip side of, of that is the other takeaway for me is that maybe uh, – and we always try to caution fans from, like, don't hit the panic button yet. Yeah. I think you might – I don't think you need to be hitting the panic button yet on this defensive line, but you might need to have your hand on the button. You, mean, you, you want to make sure it's within arm's reach. Yeah, because it, it, it sounds uh, – and, and two, two things that suggest this to me, which one is Pruitt pointed out, he said we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't control a line of scrimmage on defense on, on Monday. 
Uh, and then Wednesday we see him when we got there practice, and he is coaching the defensive line. It's always easy to tell whoever <laughs> yeah. had a bad practice the past time because that's where Pruitt is the next practice yeah. to make sure that that he put he plugs a hole in that. Because dam. Pruitt is uh, he's very confident in his coaching ability, and yes, and, and he's one of those guys that's a no nonsense guy, and he probably adheres to the uh, the notion that if you get if you got to get something done, do it yourself. Which maybe why he takes maybe a sort of lead recruiting role in some uh, some of the bigger guys. Yep. Um, and he just and loves recruiting. It, it, but that too. But the fact that he was doing that with the off- with the defensive line says okay he he thinks that group has a long way to go and he said they have a long way to go and um and, and they still have a lot of questions to answer there uh, even though I, I think the group collectively looks like some of the second year guys have have gotten bigger I think they like Kingston Harris is is a guy that we haven't really talked about much I think that's somebody that. Uh, we see Tracy Rocker pretty hard on every day. Yeah. Uh, and usually, if, if and if, I, and I and, and I still you, like Mincy. And usually, if coaches are really hard on you, that thinks that means they think you you can help and uh, whatever they need to do to get Aubrey Solomon eligible, they need they need to find a way to make that happen. Find look at every loophole in the world, and you know make it, up some Jim Harbaugh stuff. If they need some help with that, I can assist. Yeah, it's like it's like when you're trying to get a date with that pretty girl, you just use whatever you can. To, you just keep asking. Maybe she'll say yes. You have to do that with Aubrey Solomon if you're Tennessee. And I think there's been a couple guys. I think Croc Garland's been a little banged up here and there. They've had some guys that, that when they come back fully healthy, they'll 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 maybe make a little bit of a difference. But I, I think two things. One, I think one big takeaway that I've got from early this spring uh, is that Jawan Jennings is healthy, and he played last season despite never really being a hundred percent. You know, he'd missed so much time with the the suspension or, you know, whatever dismissal from the program. And then he had the knee surgery, you know, and he was in a, in a boot not long before on crutches, not long before camp started. So he was kind of fighting and he was kind of swimming upstream all last season, uh, still made some plays, um, but just wasn't quite fully himself. And, and from what I've heard from, from the first, the first four days of practice is that Jawan is healthy now and the dog is barking and he is causing all kinds of problems for the defense. So that is a, tremendous sign for Tennessee that could help them a lot going forward Um, but I also agree with Pat just said which is that I think we've all talked a lot about the offensive line and we should because it needs to get better Uh, there's some questions at tackle you know uh, until Kennedy comes back and really proves he's 100 percent there's you might have some questions at center um, but I think it is optimistic that Marcus Tatum did not flinch when saying that Ryan Johnson was the most improved player on the offensive line from last season and now said he's had a great offseason and that he's comfortable at center now, uh, even though he'll probably get kicked back to guard as soon as Kennedy comes back f- fully. But I think we've all talked about the O-line, and we should. And we've all talked about the D-line, and we should. But I don't know that we've given people appropriate amounts of warning about this defensive line. Because I think they have a really good defensive line coach. I think they've got a really good defensive staff. And I think there's some potential there. But I think they've got a problem on the D-line. And I I think even if a few of those guys like Emmett Gooden sometimes plays like a guy who's a really good player, they have some potential there to do some things. And if they need to, they can mix in more four-man fronts with Taylor on the edge and Johnson on the edge, and and maybe they can do some things They'll play that that half the time anyway. Yeah, I mean, but but when you really need to stack that line and you really need to plug the run, I think it was easy to take for granted that Tuttle and Johnson did a pretty good job holding up against the run Mm -hmm. in the middle of the line of scrimmage. And I think that is a major concern right now with this team because even if a couple of those guys are ready to make the move on the D-line – 
you need more. And I don't like their numbers there. I don't like the. I think they need to get bigger there. I, I when I look when I look at that team, I look at that I look at that back seven, and I say, okay, I kind of back seven, back eight, and I'm like. Okay, I like more of what I see there than I don't. I think you know they need someone to step up at safety, but Flowers and some guys—they've got some guys who can do that. I like the top three corners. I think you can win with with those guys, um, and I think the linebackers, for the most part, uh, I think on the edge they're okay, and in the middle they've got some numbers. I think they're oh, especially if Kirkland can come back. I, I think there's a, there's some good stuff there, but I'm really concerned about that defensive and, front. And and the reason not to go too overboard here and sound the alarms is it's. March. I mean, they've got and a we don't know about and we don't know about Solomon. Yet. Uh, Aubrey Solomon's a huge is, wild card. Yeah, Solomon's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get from the guys coming in the summer. You got a couple of junior college guys that theoretically they need uh, a starter from those two, honestly. Yeah, um, One and, of them, and, and maybe Savion Williams is, is that mm-hmm. guy. But uh, you, you give these guys more time to to get. You know, yeah, he's in the big. System. Savion they, Williams is important. And this is a position. If you look at it, I mean, they flipped it really quick i mean the only guys that are holdovers from the previous staff that are on this defensive line right now are, are matthew butler yep. who i don't see being more than a second team kind of guy i don't think yeah. he's a, a starter quality and which then, is a shame because he looks like a million bucks and, and running then, around out there but just as a player just hasn't put it together yet and then you got two guys that have bounced around in different positions and jaquain blakely who's put on a lot of weight and, and latrell bumpus who's noticeably not as big as the rest of the needs guys. Needs to put the cowboy collar back on. I think that would help him. We can you're all agree about, that we can all we can all agree that Blakely needs the cowboy you're, collar. You're talking back. about Blakely Bumpus is I think he's been running with some of the you know the first couple trios on on, on the drills that we've seen. So I, I think he's maybe closer to a factor than, than maybe we think at this point. But um I just you know there's a lot of time and there you know it there's a lot of guys here that haven't been here that long that need time to develop. And Bumpa still looks like physically like a tight end to and, me. And, and, yeah, you know, Mincy, Garland, uh, Harris. They, those are all guys that weren't here last spring. So this is their first spring. Yep. Um, so this Mincy, is a really important. I do time. like Mincy. I think he's got. Yeah. A, I think he's got a nice mean streak he plays with. And yeah. I think and I think Karat Garland is physically imposing. He just needs mm-hmm. to continue. Yeah, he's to progress. gotten a lot bigger. We actually got to see him for the first time the other day when he was doing some stuff on the indoor. Still has a stupid number for a defensive not, lineman. He's yeah. not healthy. Seventy nine looks weird. Looks but, like an offensive lineman. But um, yeah, I just have your hand near the panic button and go into to the rest of this offseason and the rest of this into the season thinking, okay, this should could be a concern. But don't don't like freak out right now. I think that's the, yeah, maybe the I, way to approach I, it. I still think their number situation is tough already. But if there is they any, got guys there. I mean, they but have if, numbers. But, but, but if there's anybody out there who after spring decides that he wants to go somewhere else or something, I think Tennessee yeah. would very very acutely be aware of anything that happened on that market and would try to do something about it. Yeah, I, I, R- I, when, Wrigley is now sitting on Pat's laptop. <laughs> When people have asked me about, you know, the the number one thing Tennessee needs to get out of the spring or, or the main concern, you know, most, I think most people are inclined to say offensive line. I've leaned more toward the defensive line because of how much they lost. And I do think, even though that group was far from elite by SEC standards last year, they were pretty solid. And I think people took for granted probably how how active Kyle Phillips was because I think he gave them a little bit of ability to penetrate and, and make things happen in the backfield. He caused a lot of problems more than the stats suggest. Yeah. And uh, and so between him and then Tuttle and, and Johnson being the bigger guys that could kind of hold up well against the run, uh, you had a nice trio there, and, and Emmett Gooden was a nice reserve. So they weren't good to the point that you felt like it was a really disruptive group and a really good defense, but they were they were good enough that you're going to miss them now, especially because there are very few inexper- or very few experienced guys behind them ready to play and, and take over. And, and, yeah, so I think Emmett Gooden, you feel 
you feel reasonably good that he's going to be a, a pretty good player somewhere, whether it's at nose tackle or, or one of those end spots. And then now you just need a couple guys around him to emerge as at least competent role players, if not starters. And that's that's the tricky part. Aubrey Solomon's a huge wild card here, and we'll see. You know, I, I like John Mincy's chances of contributing. If, if Latrell Bumpus can at least give you another guy in the two deep, then I think it's not a bad situation by the time you add Savion Williams. He needs a lot of lean protein. Yeah, and good fats uh, in the and, off season. He needs to put on some pounds. He's the, still, he still to me looks like a tight end. And the problem I see here is, but, you, but that's you got to keep in mind though that I think at tight end we all thought he was huge. Yes, true. So yeah. Now he's with bigger guys, mm-hmm. so he looks, he looks a little smaller. smaller. Yeah, it's like and Blakely's kind of the same way. It's yeah. like if you put me around normal people, I'm mm-hmm. six two. It's like oh, I'm probably tallish, which I don't like because I'm six one. And a bunch of, if you put me around a bunch of like basketball players, though, I would look like like a like a, sh- like a short person. Like I'm six yeah. one, and I think it, I don't. I naturally don't trust anyone taller than me because most people aren't. So when I there's times where I'm like, I don't know if I trust him because he's an inch taller than me. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't trust you at all, just for there. Yeah, I don't either, and neither does uh, the puppy right here because he is circling the wagons. And uh, if I tell him right now to strike at you, he will strike at you. Just so you know. He will go. He will go right for your eyes and face. He won't. He won't. I'm a dog person. I, all dogs love me. So he is but trying yeah. to sit on your laptop right now. <laughs> so him and Ramy. Him and Ramy was one of the most fabulous introductions I have ever seen. To a point where we did not have a basketball podcast last week because he was that distrustworthy of Ramy. He was looking, at, and there was construction noise going on too in the house. But he just wanted to murder Ramy in the face. Grant is not a dog person. No, he's not. I didn't realize that about Grant. Not a dog person because he's such a docile creature. Yeah, n- normally. Yeah, he, he will admit that though too. So I'm not saying anything. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love all dogs but and cats, so there, I don't there, care. I love them all. There are two other guys, newcomers, of course, that I'm interested to see more of this spring. And uh, if they if they're trying to dig up ways to get Aubrey Solomon eligible, they need to do the same for D'Angelo Gibbs too, because yep. I think he can help them. Uh, this season, he looks better than I would have thought. He's at receiver, a, he looks like a really natural athlete. He's um, a natural athlete. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard mixed reviews on how he's done in, in scrimmage type situations. He's mm-hmm. still, I think, kind of. Uh, I, it's kind of like getting back on the bike. I think he's still kind of learning yeah. a little bit. He's still kind of. You watch him catch the ball, just you know, on air, and he's still kind of catching it. He's not. It's not. He's not the most natural pass catcher. I would say at this point, maybe that's still he made a great one handed the um, other day. But he makes a play like that, and you're like, okay. Yeah, the, the thing is, is is I don't think I've seen him drop a pass, which makes me think, okay, if he gets his hands on the ball, he's probably going to catch it. Might not look. But he might bobble smooth. it, and yeah. it might not be smooth. Um, and But that's that's a big difference. You know, in the SEC, you're not going to get a lot of easy catches. You're going to have to make a lot of contested catches, and you're not going to be able to bobble it or kind of double catch it. So um, I'm interested to see kind of how he goes about uh, the rest of the spring and if he continues to kind of get comfortable there. Another guy I'm looking – is 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 Jalen McCullough in, in the secondary? I think he's the guy that mm-hmm. that the staff seems to be really high on, and, and they seem to be giving him a lot of attention. He's and an Abernathy so. type. He picks up things quickly. He looks, he's a he, smart guy. He's always reminded me a lot of Micah Abernathy yeah. for whatever reason. He's running the same number too. Yeah, and <laughs> there we go. And between he and Trayvon Flowers, though, I think you've got a couple good options there. That it's safety. That that'll be a fun competition. And to if see Theo how Jackson could remember, he's not a bad football player. Yeah. That would help too because he did not have a good year at all. But he mm-hmm. had if if Bob Shoop, a guy as smart as Bob Shoop is defensively, thinks a guy is a good player, I'm gonna give that guy the benefit of the doubt. I think yeah. there's a chance he's still a good football player somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I just he had a bad year. And and yeah, that the, they, anybody else that can emerge there still has time to be a factor. But I think at the end of the day, it probably comes down to 
Trayvon Flowers and Micah Abernathy for that starting job next to Nigel Warrior, and those are those are a couple of pretty good options. So uh, maybe and 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 I've heard that they're occasionally holding Warrior out of some reps here and there mm-hmm. this spring because they know. I mean, they need Nigel in any reps he can get are good because he needs to take his game to the next level. But they also know what they've got there for the most part, and they're giving some looks right now to some of the other guys to see what they can do. Hashtag load management. Yeah, and, and they're That's an NBA term. And, and I think People. they're I think they're saying, you know, who's going to communicate when Nigel's not out there because Nigel wants to work on his communication skills and he's gotten better at that way. Cause you know, normally when Abernathy or TK were out there, I mean, everything that the, the, the thing ran through them, they knew what to do. They knew where to put everybody. So they didn't have issues there. But the one thing, and I, before we continue to talk about the defense, the one guy on offense I want to circle back to really quickly is a guy who I have decided in the past week, I've had this suspicion for a while and now I'm officially ready to declare him the most frustrating player on the team, and that is Jordan Murphy. Oh, I thought we were about to get a, a new ninja declaration. No, no, no. Murphy, I would love Jordan Murphy to be one of my ninjas uh, because when you watch him go out there, you watch him go through the route tree, you watch him do stuff, and I'm telling you right now, I will pick this battle, I will fight it, and I will die on this hole saying this. There is not a more natural wide receiver on Tennessee's football team than Jordan Murphy. When you watch him run routes, when you watch him catch the ball, he looks like he was born to do that. He is an unbelievable, his ball skills, the way he goes and plucks the ball out of the air, he never body catches. He goes out and gets everything. He high points it. Uh, he, he's, a, he's got some speed. He can take the top off a of defense. He is a guy who quite honestly, should be a really good football player. And yet there are times out there in 11-on-11 where you go, what are you doing? He is a guy who I think, even though Callaway and Jennings are there and Brandon Johnson's still out there running around doing the stuff he does, Jordan Murphy is a guy who could help take this offense to a different level if he would be the player he could be. Because I just I look at other guys, you know, Jawan's a you know a quarterback who kind of moved to wide receiver. Callaway's kind of a jack of all trades who's ended up at wide receiver. Uh, Brandon Johnson is smooth but not really fast. Murphy has the total package. Uh, you'd like him to be a little taller, but he's got the total package. And watching him run routes, I mean, am I the only one who sees this going out there every day? I mean, I, and I talked to a former Tennessee wide receiver, not Jason Swain. He doesn't count. I talk to, I talk to him all the time. He's like my brother. But everything else. Like another another Tennessee wide receiver told me that watching practice, watching Murphy is just like, why are you not awesome? Yeah, you, you see you see glimpses of, of what he can be, uh, and you and we saw some of it last year too when he when he had some some big plays and some moments, um, but it's just you, you got you got to put it all together and clock's ticking for him. He's going to be a junior. Um, I think he's got to pick up the offense better. He's got to find a way. Maybe man, maybe he's a guy who Cheney the way he simplifies things. Yeah. Because yeah. he, because he, he did. You know, there were problems like that with with Cordero or Patterson too, and they figured it out. What one thing I think we've got to uh, got to kind of mention here is is Jarrett Garantano and what what Jeremy Pruitt had to say about him this week. Because I was I was a little bit you know caught off guard by a little the fact. more yoked by the way this yeah. week. I think he's put on about twenty pounds almost. Yeah, yeah he's a bigger dude. Said eighteen to twenty. Yeah. Be careful, Ryan. You talk about Garantano, it gets people going. It does. Everybody's got a different opinion on him. It does. But boy, he is polarizing, isn't he? Yeah. It's it's I mean. A few of Tennessee's recent quarterbacks have been that way. Josh Dobbs, Casey Clawson, take your pick. But regardless, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he – I mean, he didn't go out of his way to overhype him, but he certainly – Jeremy Pruitt certainly had his, some of his most glowing comments yet on yeah, on, on Jared Garantano and talking about the, the progress he's made and, and, you know, the game slowing down for him. 
I mean, that's obviously good things to hear if you're a Tennessee fan. He's clearly the guy right now with no major competition, it looks like, with J.T. Shroud and Brian Maurer yet. Those guys both still young and developing. So Shroud still making throws that make you go, oh, and then making throws that make you go, <laughs> Usually back-to-back, back too. Yeah, he'll, he'll – He'll drop he'll drop a dime here on a deep ball and then he'll sail a uh, just like a ten yard out route like five yards yeah. over the guy's head. Yeah. And, and Mauer, by the way, early impressions of him still still a work in progress. Yeah, but I, I heard he had a really good day the other day. Uh, he's still a freshman who's gonna you know I, I think Shrout understands the system better. Clearly, picks up he knows the guys better. But when they go out there and they play and, and just go out there and play seven on seven or some some mm-hmm. scrimmage like situations, there have been times where Mauer has looked more impressive. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And I still like his potential down the road. I mean, but I think with both of those guys, they're both incomplete packages right now, mm-hmm. but they have potential. Yeah. But, but Garantano is a guy who I, I think him knowing now, especially with no Chris looking over his shoulder, mm-hmm. I think he knows – in his mind, I think he's always kind of thought this was his offense, but I think now there's no doubt in his mind. And he looks bigger, which he needs to be if he's going to keep getting killed in the pocket – um, but, but I think he's a guy who, yeah, I think I think he's really kind of taking this thing by the by the horns. And last week when we spoke with him, he seemed maybe rejuvenated is not the right word, but he seemed even more confident uh, in, in this offense. He, he mentioned that it sort of gives you more answers, that it gives you it gives a quarterback more freedom to sort of call things, and it also uh, has more ways of responding to what the defense is is doing. And he seemed excited about that and what that could open up for him. So I, I think all that's interesting and will definitely be worth monitoring throughout the spring to see how he uh see if he can continue to build on this i mean he was what the mvp of the spring game or spring practice last year whatever they called it at the time so i mean he, we've heard of off-season progress from him before but certainly that that was the the most uh the most over-the-top sounding kind of praise for for jared garantano that we've heard from jeremy pruitt and and uh and clearly he's uh, usually measured in those comments. So for him to be willing to say those things, uh, I thought was a, a good sign for Tennessee going forward. Yeah, I think there's there's some con- there, there's areas where they still have to get a lot better. I don't think there's a single area where you could say, oh, they're ready to roll right there. They're ready to go right now. They're ready to go compete with the best in the country right now. I, I don't think that they've got a, a lot of those areas kind of at the moment. But 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 I do think what struck me as as really really interesting was when I sat down with Pruitt, just the comfort that he has now in, in what ha- in what's going on here. Because the way he put it to me was, this time last year, I still didn't know which side of the ball some of these guys were going to play. I didn't know. You know, I knew this guy's probably a defensive back, but I have no idea if he's a corner or a safety in our system. I have no idea. I know this kid's a big kid. He's going to play on the line somewhere, but I don't know where. I don't know if this kid is a tight end or a defensive end. You know, or, or or outside linebacker, because a lot of these guys, quite honestly, and, and there's no nice way to put this, were not really on his radar when he was recruiting at Bama and even before that at Georgia. They just they were after different guys. They were fishing in a different pond. Some of them he knew really well, but a lot of them were were different for him. And he and they were recruited to play a different system where size wasn't as important. So for, for every Nigel Warrior he knows a little bit and that Alabama sort of wanted at the time, there are three guys like Matthew Butler that he wasn't involved with at all. Yeah, and, and so he had to figure out, okay, who are these guys? What can they do? How can they help me? How can they help us get better? That That's his mindset. And I think now he has just a much better view of of what he what he has and what he doesn't have. And, and I think that that's the first step. If you want to get better at anything – 
you have to understand what you have and where you are and who you are. And I think now he just, to me, walking around that complex on a daily basis, interacting with people, you know, I, I think it just, it feels like this is a more, a more natural thing for him right now. I think he feels pretty good about things or at least more comfortable than he had been. Yeah. And he should, because, um, I think he's, uh, learned some things from last year and he, and he talked about this, um, in a fine bomb interview. I don't know if he said it when he was, was with us, but you know, he, he, he really gets the job. That's Ryan leaving the house. He really gets the job. He really comes on to the job like in mid January last year. Yeah. So he, even though he got hired in December, he did the double duty. Um, and uh, until you have your, your feet on the ground, boots on the ground and see what the situation is, you're not going to, that's really when he started. And so, yep. When they started spring a couple months later, he was still sort of implementing everything that he wanted to implement just in terms of program-wide, here's how we're going to do things every day. Here's what we expect from you. This is what we've got to do. This is how um, I'm going to interact with you. And so he, and, and like you mentioned, he didn't have a relationship with a lot of these players because they, you know, this previous staff wasn't recruiting a lot of these guys, or, you know, wasn't recruiting. Bama was fishing in yeah. a different pond. I, 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 yeah, the previous staff was recruiting a lot of guys that Alabama was not recruiting. They were going more against South Carolinas of the world yeah. and people like and that so, a lot of times. Um, and so you would expect him to feel more comfortable, and you would expect him to, uh, you know, the coaching staff situation too. He went out and made three really good hires. Um, and, and it was interesting to me something else he said in, the, in that Feinbaum interview is that uh, he realized, I think this is something he learned from his first year, is that it's okay to delegate more. And I think he's got guys that yeah. he can trust – on his staff. And, and, you know, did he meddle last year? Only he can kind of say if he meddled. Or I'll was... answer that yes. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then there you go. Um, again, as I touched on earlier, he's the guy that said – he's the guy that kind of takes on this, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. And so if he wasn't happy with something, um, he last year he was going to go do it himself, even though that maybe didn't – you know, it wasn't the best in terms of, uh, of you know, what to do with, with the coaching staff. I'm talking about the offense. Yeah. Um, you know. And getting involved there. And now he's got a guy in, in Jim Cheney that I think he trusts and he knows this guy's done a good job everywhere he's been. Mm-hmm. He knows how to run the show. He has a personality how to you know that that uh, allows him to command a meeting room and, and get everybody going in one direction. I'm going to let him do his thing, and then I'm going to go over here and, and help my guy Derek Ainsley, who I think is going to be a star, um, and Pruitt thinks he's going to be a star, and I think pretty much everyone we've talked to thinks thinks that he's... that That's as close to a universal opinion yeah, as you're going to But he's a guy that... that, that Pruitt probably knows maybe you can probably count maybe on one hand how many guys in this business he knows better than Derek Ansley. And so there's a comfort level there, and you yes. trust that guy. He knows what to do. I remember him talking uh, during the season. We asked him, hey, why are you spending more time on the offense? He's like, well, for a while I had to kind of show Charles Kelly and Terry Fair how I wanted the defensive, you know, how I wanted the DB drills run. And now yeah. I've gotten to the point where I trust those guys to do it the way I want it done. So, um, And now he's got a guy in Derek Ansley where – can take the corners and, and go do drills with those guys and Ainsley can take the safeties or when they do pattern matching work and, and practice which they've done yep. a lot this week they have done a lot of that it takes one half of the group and, and, and Ainsley takes the other guys the other half of the group they do it in, in uh, sort of split field split field reps and the two spot um, yeah that's how they get reps in and, and Pruitt doesn't have to worry about what, what Ainsley's group is doing because he knows that Ainsley's going to you know get the job done there so um, I, I think he's got a better coaching staff around him uh, and I think he's got a better grasp of, of of what this roster is and he's got a a, a program that has been established now that, that you know you don't want to use the cliche the foundation has been laid but it has these players know what to expect now and and for the new guys that are 
learning and coming in to expect they know the staff, you know, they know the relationship through recruiting. I don't think the staff is uh, big on telling guys something during the recruiting process and then presenting something different when the players get here. They um, you hear that a lot from recruits that, you know, they kind of treat me like I was already playing for them, you know, grading their film, doing that kind of thing. You know who else them, does you know, that? Rick Barnes. When a five-star comes on campus, he'll tell them everything that's wrong with his yeah. jump shot. And so <laughs> that's you know, just what we, he does. We, we've heard that from, from recruits that uh, that's the way that they have been treated. And so there's not any shock when they get to campus and, yep. uh, you know, that there's things are done differently than, than it looked like. So, um, all those factors have been in place, and now it's, as Pruitt has said before in some interviews, um, it's about development. It's about developing, player, developing players and getting them better, and um, and, I, and I think that that's sort of the, the direction that, that they're trying to take and, and go in this offseason, and, and we'll have to see how they kind of grow over the course of the spring and in the summer. Yeah, the way that I look at it is, uh, is that basically – Pruitt and Jim Chaney are both kind of they're, they're kind of buttresses for for each side of the ball in that whenever a single position group they feel like really needs help that day or really didn't have a good day the day before you know whoever that is on defense Pruitt can go spend a lot of time with them the next day if he needs to and the same thing with Chaney on offense since he's kind of a roam around offensive coordinator whatever he thinks needs a lot of attention whether it's the O line whether it's the Chaney guards or tackles with, with the quarterbacks the running backs. Cheney goes and spends time with everybody. That's what Monty Kiffin did when he was Tennessee's defensive coordinator. You just kind of roam around to whoever needs help that day. And I, I like that organizational structure. And I think that they've, they've hired some good GAs and quality control guys who they feel like can help them uh, with, with, with some of those situations. So I, A lot of guys they're familiar with, too. Yeah, and, and, and so there's just a lot more comfort there. Now, now does that mean they're going to roll the ball there and win 10 games next season? No, I, I, I don't believe that for a second. I think they've still got a long way to go. Uh, and, I, and I think this is still another, people don't like it, but another transition year where they're kind of, Pruitt in his mind sees the big picture, um, but he also is a guy who's intensely competitive, hates to lose, hasn't lost much ever in his career at any stop, wants to be better. So I, I, I think that they're kind of, preparing everything to win now like when I asked him about the 2020 and 2021 SEC schedules and what he'd be in favor of moving around and he kind of looked at me and he goes man you should know this by now only thing I care about is the 2019 schedule that's what's in front of us that's what I'm looking at right now I'm trying to win every game we can in 2019 and and whatever happens in the future I'll let the athletic directors and people like that worry about that then I'm worried about now and so I, th- I think that's the way he's wired, kind of. He wants to win now. But it, I think that he's put himself in a situation and his staff in a situation where there's more, just more synergy there now, more comfort. And that puts down a foundation that helps you get better or at least be the best that you can be. And I think that is important. That's something that, that could be uh, a big deal for this bunch because they're going to need help. We all know that. We, we know that... On the lines of scrimmage, there are some issues. We know that we'll see if they can protect the quarterback exactly what kind of player he is, whether he can take it, whether he's a championship-caliber quarterback or just a really good quarterback or just a decent quarterback. We're going to figure that out. You know, If they can protect him better, we'll get a better idea um, because I think the wide receivers are going to be pretty good. And I think while they need some bigger backs, I think Cheney will understand how to do good things with the weapons they do have. I think he likes Ty Chandler a lot. Ty Chandler also knows Jim Tenney a lot from the recruiting process because Georgia, I think, I believe he was Georgia's primary recruiter for him when he was there. So 
there's comfort there. These guys like the direction they're heading in. Now everybody feels good in the spring, right? Yeah. I mean, the, you're, you're months away from playing a game. So everybody... Everybody's zero and zero. Yeah. And, and I think... But one thing before we get out of here, I, I will say this, Pruitt and I talked about this, was I asked him if he thought every player in his program or most of the players in his program understood just how much they needed to improve every day. Because he knows that that staff at Alabama, he knows that staff at Georgia, he knows that staff at South Carolina, he knows that staff at Texas A&M, he knows all these guys for the most part. And he knows that the people they're trying to catch are not going to stop and wait for them. So if you're Tennessee, every time you have a bad day, all you're doing is widening the gap that's already there. And I asked him if the players understood that, how much of a sense of urgency was needed every day to close that gap. And he basically said, you know, that that's a good question. And I think, yes, most of the guys understand that. He goes, nobody wants to have a bad day. And I thought what was really interesting about that was he said, you know what, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun. He goes, I love football. There's nothing else I'd rather do with my life than exactly what I'm doing right now. And I want people in this program who want nothing more who want who who their day the best part of their day is stepping out there putting on those shorts or putting on those pads and going out there and playing football or working out that's what I want he goes and if we can get everybody in this program who feels that way who loves coming to work every single day as much as this staff does we'll get better every day and I think that was a good way to put it because at the end of the day there's so much pressure in these jobs and there's so much pressure on these guys uh, and by that I mean the coaches, the players, everybody, but that this is supposed to be fun. And Pruitt doesn't really strike you as a guy who's a super loves super fun guy. You know, he looks like he's very serious. But he said, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do, and I want people in this program who always wanted to play the game as much as I wanted to play the game, and now I want to coach the game. And, and that sort of mentality will help you get better every day because when you get sore, when you get tired, when you get frustrated – if you love what you're doing and you love the game, you have a chance and you love the people you're around, you have a chance to get better every day. And I think that is, to me, the, the, that's what's so important about this is that the off-seasons for Tennessee cannot be off-seasons because you are not going to whittle that gap against just completely obsessed people like Saban. You're not going to narrow that gap by having just a decent off-season. You have to do what they're doing and do it better. And that's daunting, you know, but that's what you have to do. And I, I think that's the story of this program right now is can they take every offseason and narrow that gap? Yeah, and, and they have to do it during the offseason. They have to do it on the recruiting trail too. Yes. Um, and, and that's something I was writing, uh, something from Marcus Tatum the other day. <clears throat> when he said that, you know, we're, we're asking him about Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright, and he said, you know, nobody should be scared of competition. This is the SEC. You should expect it. Um, and that's something that, you know, the, the easy assumption is Tennessee's offensive line was bad. They've got two really talented guys come in, and they're going to step right in and start. Well, some of these guys that they're returning have had good off-seasons too. They've developed their bodies. Yeah. Guys like Tatum, who's up to 315 pounds, says, hey, nobody's bull – you know, I'm not getting bull rush every time anymore because I can hold up now. Um, Jameer Johnson's put on a lot of weight. Nathan Niehaus has uh, gone from this time a year ago, he was kind of an afterthought, to now he's a guy that I think they kind of like um, and has a chance to, you know, can play two positions on, on 
on the right, you know, play both positions on the right side and can help this team. And so uh, those guys have, have developed as well. And Pruitt has talked about that too. Um, you know, when he's getting questions about the offensive line, he said, hey, we've had some guys that have really progressed. And so um, this is a staff that if you uh, are trying to uh, have hope for the future, if you're a Tennessee fan, you look at their their record of not only recruiting, but their record of, of, of development as well. And so you hope that this is an off season where they can get guys better and have guys progress. And I think for, uh, and I've said this before, but for spring practice, to me, it's about collective or it's about individual improvement. It's about guys getting better as players um, and, and sort of laying a foundation um, schematically on either side of the ball for what you're going to do uh, in, in August when you get to preseason camp. So uh, if they can get a handful of guys better and if guys are, are, are you know, this is their chance to show the coaching staff, hey, I need to be on the field. And so that's that's how you get guys better. And, and the way they practice is, is sort of conducive to that as well. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to talk about. We'll wrap this up and get out of here today. But, you know, this is uh, this is a critical offseason for Tennessee. Everyone knows that. There is no mystery about that. This is the time of year where you should be, you know, from your first year to your second year, you should be seeing major improvement then. And I think that's going to be the story of this team, you know, how much improvement have they made. And just as a reminder, Tennessee is going to be off next week for spring break. Uh, we will still be here with the podcast. Obviously, Ramey and I will be God knows where. We'll be in Nashville this weekend, and then we'll be somewhere for the next couple weekends in all likelihood following Tennessee through the NCAA tournament. We'll have basketball podcasts along the way if uh, the guy, the little guy sitting here next to me will behave himself during the process, and he better, or he's not going to get any treats. Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, you can find us on social media. Uh, I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Our staff Twitter account is at twitter.com slash govoss247. Our Facebook account, which we're all very proud of, and thanks to Zuckerberg for finally getting some of that together after a rough, rough Wednesday for them. Uh, our Facebook page, like everybody else's, is back up and running at facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want to drink water directly from the hose, go to govals247.com. Uh, we've all we've always got good specials. We had a really good spring camp special uh, that has now come and gone, but we always have deals. You can come try us out free for a week. Uh, and then if you wait a little bit, we've also got always buy one, get one offers. Uh, we, we've always got offers going out there at different times of the year. So get there now and and see if we got one of those deals for you. You never know. Do you know, Pat? Do you know? No, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts? I do not. Wrigley, do you have any final thoughts? You got any final thoughts, Wrigley? He's just shaking his head at me. <laughs> <laughs>